Hey everyone, my name is Corey, and this is the inaugural episode of Meanwhile on the Farm. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Gotta love some fake applause. Okay, uh, the title Meanwhile on the Farm is a reference to the phrase back on the ranch, which was predominantly used in Western and silent films to segue to get back to the topic. Um, side note, I don't know about you, but when my dad and my papa made me watch Westerns, I always thought it was a punishment and that the channels were in on it because nothing else was on. Meanwhile, on the farm, that little midday nap would creep in. See how I did that? Uh, okay, so I chose Meanwhile on the Farm as opposed to Back on the Ranch because I had a teacher who used it a lot to get us to shut up and get back on task. So shout out to Ms. Parker. My homework is in the mail. Meanwhile on the Farm is actually dedicated to relevant topics surrounding equality in all forms. Um, each episode of... Uh, Meanwhile, on the farm will be divided into the actual story, unpacking that story with details and examples and happenings um, and practical steps that you, listener, can take in order to bring change. Um, then we'll wrap it up with a little story about people doing things right. Gotta love a little sound effect. Okay, so meanwhile, on the farm. Before we start, I just want to let you know that I am going to say the N-word because it's important to the story. Um, I just want to put that out there for all the homies. Uh, it's important to the context of this. Uh, that said, this podcast is for white people just as much as it is for black people. So there's that. Okay. Um, the first story that I'm going to talk about uh, today, well, the only story, but we'll dig into it, um, is uh, I found it in the Cincinnati Inquirer. Um, it was dated June 11th of this year. Uh, just a few days ago, and it focuses on the Lebanon uh, city schools in Lebanon, Ohio. All right, I want you to hear the following phrase. Please pick up my book, Slave. All right, that sounds like the title of a really bad book that a white slave owner wrote a couple of hundred years ago, <laughs> but it's not actually. Um, it's actually a quote taken directly from an eighth grade student who said it to a teaching assistant, please pick up my book, Slave. Okay, now I know what you're thinking. At least he said, please. If that's not what you were thinking and what you were thinking was more along the lines of what I was thinking, a.k.a. how could this still be happening? Um, the obvious response is because it's being allowed to happen and it's being taught to happen, not by the teaching assistant, but by the parents and on a bigger scale by the school district itself. And we'll get there uh, later on into this uh, episode. Um, it's taught like math, science, history, art. Um, speaking of art, uh, I want to talk about a piece of art that was found in a student's notebook uh, in the Lebanon City Schools. Uh, this is junior high. Again, we're talking about the uh, eighth grade level of this of this school district. Um, okay, so this wonderful piece of art I'll describe to you since you can't see it, but I have it uh, here next to me. Now, this was found in uh, his or her notebook. In the center of the page, it showcases a barn. All right, and in the door of that barn, there is a noose hanging from it. All right, and on one side of the barn, there is a, a, a large Confederate flag covering it in its entirety. And on the roof of this barn, the words, Welcome to Dixie, written on the roof. Uh, and this little Picasso, you can see directly in front of the barn are six figures in uh, pointed white hoods with arms raised high, standing right next to a burning cross. As if one Confederate flag weren't enough, there's another one on top of the barn, just fluttering, you know, in the wind like it does. And next to this set of crisscross stars, there are a few words. We kill niggers here. KKK. Now, for those of you that don't know, uh, Dixie, 
on the roof of the barn in this drawing. Dixie refers to the southern United States that previously composed the Confederate States of uh, America. Uh, and the Confederate states were the states who wanted to hold on to their slaves as long as they could. Uh, so when this artist uh, wrote Welcome to Dixie, he or she was uh, making a statement to blacks. Let me remind you that this was drawn by an eighth grader. Now, I'm pretty sure that these notions aren't implanted from birth. Little artist Andy or Andrea or whatever, he or she had to be taught that. It was overheard. It was talked about in his or her presence. He or she latched onto it. He or she latched onto it so severely that he or she created an entire image based on that perspective on race. Um, part of him or her understands because obviously they drew it. And the other part of him or her doesn't understand. Now, I'll get back to that as well later on in this uh, episode of Meanwhile on the Farm. Now, the drawing happened uh, a few years before President Trump took office. It happened in 2012 when Obama was starting his second term. Um, and I'm just giving you a timeline here. So uh, eighth graders are, what, 13 years old, which is pretty old. But uh, now I'd like to point out that this kid isn't a kid anymore. Uh, he or she is roughly a 20-year-old man or woman able to vote and procreate, live, start societies. Just wanted to offer a little bit of perspective on, on what age that person is now and that seed that was planted when they were in eighth grade. Okay, Corey, well, maybe this was a strange case of racist Randy and racist Raylene teaching little Ron to be a racist as well, like a one-off. I have information to support how that's not an isolated case. Uh, in, in 2012, in the school district of Lebanon, Ohio, which is 31.6 miles uh, away from the next major city in Ohio, which is Cincinnati, uh, and for three years after 2012, swastikas appeared on the bathroom walls uh, with the words, go home niggers and Jews, carved. The solution uh, that was offered was painting over these racist hieroglyphics. And uh, even after that, the word to no niggers was still visible. Um, it took three years, but the teachers were asked to start checking the bathrooms before and after school. My question is, why didn't the kids say anything? They definitely did. As a matter of fact, uh, according to the Inquirer, um, between 2014 and 2015, that's one school year, 72 complaints were filed with the subject of racial intimidation. Um, so many complaints, a federal investigation was launched. Um, but if you ask the Lebanon school district superintendent, uh, his name was uh, Mark North, the complaints were few and isolated. Those were his words. Um, but Mr. North actually walks in some contradiction, and, and here's what I mean. A parent actually confronted him after she saw a couple of racist uh, anonymous social media posts directed towards black students in uh, the Lebanon city schools. I think it was a, it was a high school. And his response was to call an anonymous hotline. He also told this parent, uh, whose daughter continued to be bullied and harassed after the post, um, she was harassed on the bus. Uh, he told the parent to talk to the principal. Uh, so she did. Then she got a certified letter from the district saying that if she wanted to, she could report the bus incident to the administrators. In other words, when this parent filed a complaint to Mr. North, it was ignored. Um, Yet we have a Mark North talking about how bullying won't be tolerated. Um, it's also key to point out that under his watch, a lot of the allegations were disputed and underreported. Um, and by underreported, I mean 
they were filed away under another category so that they wouldn't be as um, visible or seen. So that number I mentioned earlier, 72, was likely higher. Um, here are a few examples of the types of, of, of complaints that were uh, filed. Um, a first grader uh, telling his mom that another student said that he couldn't be someone's boyfriend because of his skin color. Um, a fifth grade student singing Duck, Duck, Nigger doing math and science class. Uh, a seventh grade student who was called uh, the N-word at football practice telling officials that happens a lot. So here we have kids who are getting used to this thing. Um, and an eighth grade student asking a teaching assistant to please pick up my book slave, which is where we started. More than half these instances use the N-word of the 72 that were reported. Uh, federal officials after the, during the investigation said that the district really didn't do much to address the issue. In other words, they ignored them, um, much to the credit of Mr. Uh, North. But the Lebanon School District finally did decide to take action. They gave four students, I think this is in 2015, they gave four students $37,500. So I'm the type of individual, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe Mark North was being approached with something that wasn't in his domain to deal with. So I just went back to basics. I looked up what a superintendent is supposed to do on a basic level. The superintendent is at the top of the school district. Okay, you, you'd say that individual is like the CEO. Um, the superintendent applies the vision of the school board by making day-to-day -day decisions when it comes to educational programs, budgeting and spending, staff and facilities. The superintendent also hires central staff and principals and supervises them and manages them. All right, that's the bottom line. Um, all of that is supposed to lead to serving the needs of the students and meeting district goals. So that's what Mark North was supposed to do for $147,500 per year. That was his salary, $147,500 per year. Now, I can't say that he was a bad superintendent. Um, I can say that he was neglectful, especially in this particular situation and in all these other situations. Uh, it's worth mentioning that he said that the incident was a police issue and not a school issue. Now, let me present this in a way that you can understand. All right, you're on your job, right? Somebody comes up to you and calls you something pretty awful. All right, they put it on a post-it note and when you get to your desk, they point and laugh. Other people agree and they really dig into your humanity and they say some dumb shit, all right? How would you feel if you went to HR and HR said, Ooh, gee, wow, that that's pretty awful. Um, it, it really is like, and we will not stand for that. We have an anti-bullying, anti-harassment policy. We even have a hotline for you to call anonymously to report stuff like that. You know, I'll send you over a little booklet that talks about that. Yeah. But you know what? That's actually a police issue. I fully support you. So good luck. Oh, and by the way, those papers need to be on my desk by noon. Nah, I mean, like that, that wouldn't fly. Like it wouldn't fly. So my question is, why would that be the case in uh, the education system? Now, to his credit, though, there have been a few things implemented to help curb the bullying. Okay, so for the entire district, there is the hotline that he mentioned to the parent. Um, there's also uh, staff development meetings on anti-harassment, bullying, and intimidation issues. Okay, so that's that's for the district, district-wide. Um, for Lebanon High School, there is a two-day anti-bullying program. 
Also, they brought in a company called Redo, and it's a Redo Day, which is a program that's focused on respecting differences. Um, it's key to po point out that attendance is actually optional for uh, Redo Day. And in the last two years, they've had three assemblies um, with um, an outside consultant um, about diversity. So that's the high school, the two-day anti-bullying program, Redo Day, and the three assemblies in the last two years. For uh, Lebanon Junior High, where our little artist went to school, um, they also have a redo day. They have a video at the beginning of the school year. Then they have a social justice unit in the eighth grade curriculum, a unit, okay? Um, that unit focuses on uh, race relations and women's rights, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so all this was in 2015. Now, as far as I know, these programs are still active and they're still uh, being implemented in the, in the system. Now, I absolutely love that these courses of action have been set into motion. I love it. But the goal is longevity, right? Like a perpetuation. Um, Redo Day is known for having tasks for plans of action passed to one day, and that's great. But it's my contention that we need more. Well, Corey, we should just you know, take what we can get. For anybody who says that that's the problem, you think Lebanon is the only school district going through this? I mean, I wasn't surprised after I started digging that there were places in good old California, Texas, of course, Tennessee, Louisiana, other places where this kind of thing is it's, it's still happening. So why am I bringing this up? Like, I'm not trying to shame Lebanon city schools, even though they might deserve it. Um, I'm trying to bring about an awareness to a still happening issue. So it's in the open so that you don't relax and that you do engage because engagement is important. So the question is, what can you do? Glad you freaking asked. That was for you. <laughs> okay, first and foremost, black parents and non-black parents who aren't racist, talk to your kids. You have to, you have to open up the floor and have a dialogue regularly. Not just once a year, but regularly. You have to talk to your kids and tell them about racism, prejudice, divides, explain what those things are, explain how it affects people, see and hear them. Um, you do not have the luxury of checking out. None of us do, especially black people. You don't have the luxury of checking out. Um, maybe you're tired of talking about racism. Well, guess what? If you don't, someone else will. And as long as someone else will, it's not going to go away. Um, Speaking on that, I heard someone say the reason why racism still exists is because we as black people keep talking about it. And a white person has said the same thing. So if I broke your arm and you started screaming from pain and I told you, shh, Andy, the reason why your arm hurts is because you're screaming about it. You'd be on board with that? GTFO. Racism still exists because not enough people are talking about it in the right way. And racists are getting to their kids and ours before we are. And by we, I mean black people and other people who aren't racist. <laughs> um, so that's really, really, really important. You need to stop sending your kids to school and expecting the school system to raise your child. School is not a glorified babysitting institution. All right. You have to see it as, as an opportunity and, and help to shape that opportunity. You have to teach your kids how to speak up for themselves and, and have coping systems in place. White people do the same thing. Racists are talking to their kids. You don't believe me? Go back and listen to what that drawing said. Racists are talking to their kids. You talk to yours. Combat the hate with education and encourage them to embrace people with differences. Like, I'm serious, y'all. Encourage creating together, building together, 
read books and articles together. Like I get that teenagers sometimes don't want to talk because they know everything, but that's not an excuse. And you have to be a part of the conversation because black kids are hearing that all black youth have saggy pants and sell drugs. Now, I didn't make that up. That's a quote from one of the Lebanon City kids. All right. It was a statement used in an open forum. Um, now, I want to go back to, you know, little uh, little artist who drew the picture. And this is going to point out why talking about things openly is good. These white students, in all these instances, when asked, they said they didn't know that they were doing anything wrong. Okay. Calling someone a nigger was a joke. One student said that it was his upbringing and that he tries not to be racist, but he sometimes slips. Like there's some kind of a racist banana peel lying around and he's slipping and sliding all over the place. Uh, in 2013, a white dude said, what's up, nigga? To this black chick. And she slapped him across the face. Now, he was baffled. And his response was he didn't know why she'd do that or why she respond that way. And he said, I'm quoting here. I wasn't being racist. This is a written statement. I wasn't being racist. It's not like I was saying, hey, where's my slave? Or you done with the fields like everybody else does? Like everybody else does. So he's admitting that there's more than one impressionable mind taking part in this kind of behavior. And not only that, that kind of statement is a clear indication that they're having open discussions of this nature. One step further, which supports a previous statement, is the fact that someone created a space for them to feel comfortable enough to share thoughts like that without consequence. Okay, There was another guy who defended his use of the word nigger because he said nigga. So instead of hitting that, that ER so hard, he said nigga, and that's excusable. Okay, fun fact about that, uh, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know why they don't think anything is wrong? Because someone is educating them to think that. And even if they know it's wrong and use it in a hurtful way, they're being taught that it's okay. And in the case of one student who did receive an in-school suspension, it was reversed when his parents came down to the school. Wait, no, lies. Y'all, <laughs> the parents didn't come down to the school. They emailed the school. So at some point during the day, this child contacted his parents and let them know that he was having an in-school suspension because of something that he said to a black student, um, and the parents emailed the principal. They're enabling from behind computer screens. And if I didn't have a headache from all this shit, I'd do a hard face palm right now. They emailed the principal and they both got a verbal warning and then his in-school suspension was reversed. And I'm not even gonna talk about the guy who was asked to prom with a bucket of fried chicken and watermelon. Yes, that picture was tweeted and it said, this is how you ask a black guy to prom. And again, we have our students and people laughing at this, white and black alike, because it's, quote, a joke. Um, to those people who don't have kids, you got to find a kid whose parents are busy trying to provide and take them under your wing. Be there to support, create a safe space for them. Or if you see a neglectful parent and you have the time and the space, collect the child, pay attention to them, seek them out, look for them. Well, that's a lot of effort. Damn Skippy, get to it. It's important for that type of thing to happen. It's important for kids to have that presence in their life in order to um, grow up with the right impressions. Um, another thing you can do is make your presence known. Black people, show up and be involved in your child's education. You cannot send your child to school and stop there. Okay? 
get on the school board, a candidate has to be at least 18 years old, a citizen of the state you're in, a resident of your actual district, and a registered voter and eligible under your state's constitution to be elected to public office. So whatever those requirements are, you have to fill those. Um, school board members can and ideally should reflect the diversity of whatever the community is. And here's another fun little fact. Within the U.S., school superintendents, superintendents like Mr. North, are usually selected by members of the particular district's school board. And often the superintendent sits on the board as a non-voting member. Um, and school boards can consist of either appointed or elected members. Likewise, the superintendent's position uh, also varies by state. Get all up in a business is what I'm saying. Be there, show up, be a face, speak up. Uh, I'd also like to point out that the Lebanon school board is all white. Meanwhile, they're saying relations are getting so much better. They can't get better to the fullest extent unless they have representation. And it's, it, it goes beyond just representation. It's about ownership. Can you make decisions? Get in the place to where you can make decisions. Okay. Um, and the question behind all this is why? Again, the board should reflect the diversity of the community. Get on board, no pun intended. Uh, maybe you can't get on board. Who can? Is there someone around you who can? Support that person. That representation in that way is super, super important. Okay. Um, so another thing you can do is develop community partnerships. Once you have the conversation, it doesn't stop there. Um, I heard about an organization called Kickboard. Um, you can find them at Kickboard for schools.com. You spell kickboard just like you would spell it for schools.com. And four is F O R. Kickboard for schools.com. Um, they're set up for giving schools, teachers, and parents the ability to create and manage positive school culture programs, which is amazing. Um, another resource is uh, going to tolerance.org. That's an, another place. Uh, if you're a teacher, go to uh, rethinking schools. Org. That's another resource. Look them up. Uh, parents, I would encourage you to do the same thing because those uh, sites have resources that you can purchase. And when I mentioned reading with your child and, 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 and going through articles and books, that is an awesome source uh, for you to, to use. Um, now, I did mention that Lebanon had a unit on social injustice. I'm not sure you can cover a lot of social injustice in a unit. My contention is that maybe there's a necessity for a whole class. Yeah, that may take longer to get implemented, but that process needs to be started. There needs to be culturally relevant curriculum in our uh, schools. Yeah. Um, another thing you can do, uh, and this is one of the last things, is uh, see if you where you are has a local chapter of the NAACP. Um, Lebanon. Uh, city schools, they didn't have one. Um, if your school or district or your county or area doesn't have a chapter of an NAACP, guess what? You can start one. These things are not out of your reach because you can sit there and be mad about what happens in schools and you can sit there and be angry. But if you're not doing anything, you're just as guilty. I know you've heard this before and you're rolling your eyes. I sound like Whoopi Goldberg. Um, that website for the NAACP is NAACP.org forward slash field dash resources forward slash start dash a dash unit forward slash. I'm going to say that again. NAACP 
dot org forward slash field dash resources forward slash start dash a dash unit forward slash. Um, you can also feel free to reach out to me uh, and I'll give you that email address at the end um, and I can pass along those uh, resources. Okay. Um, so that was the story in Lebanon. Kind of crazy that this happened uh, just a few days ago. Today is June 14th. It happened a few days ago, but it's been something that's been happening for uh, quite some time. Um, making you aware is things, and those are some practical steps that you can do to uh, help to eradicate the situation. Okay, so let's wrap this up and talk about some good stuff, yeah? You got two sound effects for the price of one. <laughs> okay, so uh, MTV just announced yesterday at 3 p.m., uh, June 13th, that it will be bringing back the Daria character, Jody Landon, in connection with none other than the wonderful, beautiful Tracy Ellis Ross. Um, Tracy Ellis Ross will be voicing Jody Landon and she'll also be executive producing. Um, for those of you who don't know, Daria was an American adult animated show that was introduced in the 90s, uh, 1997, I think, and it ran until 2002, so for five seasons. But this is a spinoff series that will feature Jody, who in the series, Daria was friends with Daria. Uh, and Jody's a black girl. Um, and the name of the series is called Jody. Um, in a statement from Tracy Ellis Ross, she said, I'm thrilled to bring this project to life with MTV, both as executive producer and by voicing Jody's character. Being able to give voice to fresh feminist and unexplored stories of young women excites me. Jody will spin off from the cult classic Daria with the brilliant, sweet, and sarcastic black girl magic that is Jodie Landon, we will feature a diverse cast comprised mainly of unapologetically smart and ambitious young female characters who are vulnerable and flawed and interesting and funny. As a very cool bonus, Jodie will be the first adult animated show in almost 20 years that will star a black woman. It will be a smart, funny workplace comedy full of commentary about everything from gentrification to sex to tech to call out culture. So that was a quote taken from uh, The Grapevine. Grace Howard, who is currently a writer and co-producer for the hit HBO show Insecure, is the creator and head writer of Jody. So that's really cool. Also executive producing is MTV's Trevor Rose, uh, Morgana Rosenberg, and Amy Doyle. Hand clap for those people. Yeah, so that's great news there. Um, really excited about that coming out. And that concludes this episode of Meanwhile on the Farm. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you have any stories that you think are feature worthy, either things that might need to be discussed or things that are positive, please send them my way. I would love that. Uh, Meanwhile on the Farm at gmail.com. Uh, also, you can subscribe to Meanwhile on the Farm to get uh, new episodes every week. Uh, in future episodes, we'll be featuring special guests and co-hosts and spoken word stuff. A lot of great things planned to keep you educated and to keep you aware of what you can do while it seems the world is spinning out of control. Uh, again, I'm Corey. This was Meanwhile on the Farm. I appreciate you listening so much. Whatever you are, whomever you are, wherever you are listening now, please know that you're important and so loved and there is community for you. And remember, if you're silent, that speaks volumes. Peace. Peace.